0: Last One to the Party, a podcast where we check in with someone who's checking out a classic film, favorite TV show, or legendary performer for the very first time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Last One to the Party. On this episode, we're talking with Jessica Eason, a writer and actor, and also a great guest to have on numerous times because... Well, she's my wife, and we live together, and it's easier to get her to carve out the time to be on the show. But having said that, we're talking this week to Jessica about Richard Pryor, someone who she knew a little bit about but hadn't really heard any of his stand-up. It should be noted that in the clips and excerpts that I include, I don't edit any of Richard Pryor's material. It felt like it was not my call to make to edit such a legendary, genius, brilliant mind. And so there is some language on this episode that is maybe stronger than usual, maybe a little bit more intense. And so you can either fast forward through those parts or skip this episode entirely. That's fine. I understand.
1: I've seen him in The Lady Sings the Blues. I've seen that movie, obviously. Yeah, and I read that article about him in the uh, New Yorker, which I loved. And I know about his upbringing, which is just so sad.
0: You hadn't really seen or heard any of the stand-up. Maybe, no. Maybe seen him in uh, The Wiz.
1: Oh, yeah, I've seen him in The Wiz. Mm-hmm. But
0: nothing really that was sort of his... No, not
1: what he's known for. <laughs>
0: what did I make you watch him here? We
1: watched the... live on the Sunset Strip. And we watched, oh, live in concert. And then we listened to um, a title I can't say. That mm, is crazy, which is very funny.
0: What was your opinion of it? How did it it surprise you? Well, we
1: should break them down one at a time. Or maybe our audience doesn't know, but my husband and I are both improvisers amongst many other things. It's embarrassing that I hadn't seen... I mean, he's a legend. So, of course, I know who he is, but it was like, what a blind spot. Especially because I so enjoy... Eddie Murphy, like, I love Dave Chappelle and I really like Chris Rock. I like Cat Williams. I'm sure a lot of the, all these stand ups are like, they owe everything to him. So it's kind of like, you know, go to the source. So I'm real late, real late, and I want to apologize. It's an embarrassment. <laughs> My first thought was because we watched. Live in concert first. This has nothing to do with anything, but I really liked that he wore this kind of reddish wine silky shirt and yeah. by the end he sweat through the whole thing, but I was like, good for him. <laughs> it looked good, but I was like, that's such a, what an odd choice. But I did enjoy the shirt. That has nothing to do with how good the special was. Before I even get to him, I liked how relaxed it was back then. Like the concert was so open. Like anyone, doesn't isn't that the one that starts with the guys taking pictures of him? He's like, sit down and there's no uh, security. It's just... It's a real, like, just gathering of people, and he's so close to them. Like, they could come up and talk to him. It was such, it's so different from how today is, where it's like, you'll get nowhere near anyone. I mean, I recently, maybe a year and a half ago, saw Chappelle uh, when he was with Lauren Hill at the Hollywood Bowl. And we had to give our phone, they took our phones away from us, and we thought it was for Lauren Hill. It was for Chappelle. They gave our phones back before Lauren Hill came on. They did not care about us filming Lauren Hill. And Chappelle was next-level brilliant. At the Hollywood Bowl. That all being said, it was to me that was such a eye-opening, uh, unexpected part of that concert. Of course, about his talent. I mean, right away he's so relaxed. He's so relaxed on stage, and I find that mesmerizing. You're, you're, you, you, you—meaning me as the audience—immediately like put at ease and everything's going to be safe and he has you and from the jump there's no warm up into it it's not I mean like I said I love Chris Rock but Chris Rock paces and it's a it's a totally different energy and you kind of have to come to him a little bit worth it but with like prior it's just he's he just he's a master truly and I think that gets thrown around a lot but he you really see it and the big takeaway for me after that special and other special was how um fluid he is Uh, physically in his body he's so in his body it's amazing and second of all um how uh again I guess the word fluid he is and precise and specific with his characters his character work is the whole time I was watching I was like yes he's hilarious and his brain is brilliant and the way he puts things together and the way he sees the world is so uh for me, it's like oh, I see that, but then he he's able to put it into words and to make like not only just into words, he's able to make it elevate it to comedy, which is a type of brilliance, right? It's like almost like a mathematical brilliant brain he's working with, so he's astounding in that way. And I was so struck by like in, in a different time, I mean a different time would have to be now, and even now, who knows? He's such a brilliant actor. I was like he sh- someone should have put him in more movies where he was actually acting like he's brilliant. Uh, he could have done so much just
0: acting. Well, I think for me he steals the movie Lady Sings the Blues. As we've established, <laughs> as we've established I'm a jazz snob and Diana yes, Ross is physically nothing like Billie no, Holiday and not. and as a singer she's vocally she like is her. nothing like Billie Holiday. No, she's not. And so that I found frustrating. But Richard Pryor playing this fictional character, who's kind of an amalgam of maybe a couple of characters, maybe not the least of which might be Lester Young, yes, who was I think so Billy Holiday's sort of
1: collaborator, other
0: hand, yeah. other half of her. Mm-hmm. Um, he brings such a depth he and does. sensitivity, and he has made a lot of movies. They're just not many of them are very good. That's what I'm saying. Like that's no, the sad thing that's is sad that, thing. That, that, that yes, and he was there was talk that he was going to be. The lead in Blazing Saddles, but they couldn't get the insurance for it because he was. Because of the. Cocaine and the drugs and that's. Was
1: Blazing Saddles after his.
0: um, That was 74. So we saw him live in concert was 77 ish. Okay. All right. 78. And then um, Sunset Strip was after his accident. With the. And that was. So that was 82. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but he gives some great performances in some of them. There's always moments in those movies where he's great. Some kind of hero. I think that's what it's called is really good. Oh, Blue Collar. Blue Collar is the one Richard Pryor movie where he is fantastic. He's in it with Yafet Koto and Harvey Keitel, and Mm. they play blue collar workers who have discovered some sort of malfeasance with the union, and they're going to steal some money, and it's straight drama. I think it's Erwin Winkler. That is great Richard Pryor in a movie. He could have done Yes, so eight much. movies that quality and been fantastic. I've been in
1: fantastic, them. but that, I think that's what's also astounding about him is not only are you watching him be this amazing, brilliant comic mind. That's one thing he's doing. And then the second thing he's doing is just being present with an audience. He's so present with them. So that's another talent that doesn't always go together. I feel like I'm throwing shade on Chris Rock. I'm not. I feel like he's Chris Rock. Just doesn't have that that facility. Right, he, he's not he's not um, limber like you're watching Richard Pryor. Not that Chris, it's only Chris Rock, but I, he's just sticking in my head right now. For
0: me, it comes down to a kind of sensitivity, vulnerability, and trust. Yes, and Chris Rock may just be inherently a suspicious person <laughs> to a degree that doesn't allow him to just relax in front of a camera. I know that. Hmm. For me, my experience has frequently been when a camera is put in my face and I'm told to act, my defenses go up. And that's the key to it. I th- That's the key. Oh, I agree. Can and it's you be real with a piece camera, of equipment five inches, right. two inches from your face?
1: And I also would say I mean, that's part of also, I guess, and it's also apples and oranges. Like Chris Rock isn't trying to be Richard Pryor. No one's trying to be I mean, no one can, can be him. But uh, it's not just Chris Rock. I, other than I think Chappelle, who has a different quality but is equally... I feel like a master. When I, when I saw him live, I was like, this man, he came out and just, he owned the bowl. Like, I've never seen, I've never seen a comedian do it like that. It he's was,
0: got a similar pace in terms of his confidence and his ease yeah. in front of the audience.
1: Yeah. So, it was astounding. And the only, and I don't, um, I guess, because Chris Rock falls more into, like, where I've again, I think he's brilliant. Um, but, like, he falls more into a category where I see, he's more in the realm of, comedians where they're very quick and they're very the good ones the great ones they're very quick they're funny they have you know the way they do the math and the the like the the brain gymnastics of the comedy like he does it at such a next level um but it's more like watching that it's it's not as holistic as uh Richard Pryor
0: and not to relegate it to only comparing Richard Pryor to other no black black comics who came after him if you look I think any comic you want to, uh, anyone, Jim, Jim Gaffigan, Patton Oswald, yeah. uh, um, even Jerry Seinfeld, yeah, not great actors, no, 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 none of them, but <laughs> terrifically <laughs> funny, funny, yes, funny comedians, which is a very difficult, specific skill to have a thousand and, times. And yes. oftentimes, I think from every book that I've read about stand up comedy, you know, you're going out there and you're facing more times than not a hostile audience, yeah, that builds up a certain bony, ridged armor. Um, that is counter to what you need to do when you're acting in front of a camera, which is yes. to let everything else melt away, connect with the other person, look him in the eyes, feel your feelings. <laughs> you know, That's a hard yeah, thing to do when hard. you're being defensive towards a yeah. hostile crowd. Yeah, so he has done some movies that he's been really terrific in, but the bulk of them are kind of near misses, I think, a lot of the time.
1: I also think the time period is not great for him. I don't think they were making a lot of movies starring black actors, that that they're making enough. Now they're not, but they're making more. I don't know, to give him more range because he has it. I mean, you just watch when I watch him just go in and out of those characters. His fluidity, the, the content. Yeah, I think it is the vulnerability. I, I was just struck by that and how it's um, so engaging.
0: Do you remember any of the routines that stood out to you from live in concert?
1: For me, it's like I didn't walk away with like a soundbite. Like I did like, I think it's that the first one um, where they're talking about going hunting. Them
2: woods though, man, you be in there and them leaves be crinkling under your feet and shit. <coughs> Say, come on over this way. Come on. I saw a deer. Come on. <coughs> deer be drinking wild and shit right and he's he's being the deer.
1: All that is brilliant. Yeah. Just him being the animals. Again, his physicality is fantastic. And he goes right there. It's like immediately he's he is this deer. You just see it. You feel it. It's brilliant. amazing.
0: When I first saw that special, I was maybe a shade young for it. I was like 11, maybe 12. Language aside, content, the sexual content aside, those are the kinds of things that stayed with me. That ability to be the deer drinking at the lake and suddenly being surprised, as well as when he does the monkeys and then the monkeys die and the dog hops over the fence to console yes. him. Hey, Riz. <laughs> What's the matter?
2: And my monkey's in there. <laughs> they died. I said, damn. I was going to eat them, too. Yes, I love that part. And he went away, and he walked back to the fence, and he got ready to jump over. And he turned around and looked at me and said, you know I'm going to be chasing you again tomorrow.
1: That's the magic of him. It's so specific and so detailed and so precise, and at the same time, so relaxed. That's what's astounding about it.
0: In rewatching this, I haven't seen either of these movies in a long, long time. I didn't find myself laughing out loud as much as I did when I first mm-hmm. saw them or sort of just being in awe of it to the degree that I was when I first saw them. But that stood out to me so much, his ability to just click into these different characters, animals and people alike yeah. and embody them. So fully, so realized. Yeah. yeah. yeah just amazing. And it, I'm wondering now if that wasn't just a byproduct of the time. He did a he did a Lily Tomlin special, I think it was, where mm. they did two characters in a scene. and It was not a joke-packed scene. It was just the two of them committing to these characters. And I think that he's a byproduct of his time and that he came up at a time when what we defined as art was expanding a little bit maybe yeah. or loosening or something. And so you were able to be a stand-up comic who didn't, have to tell punchline 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 yeah
1: it was in the 80s where it's like everyone's giving you punchline 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 to get a development deal to do their right i mean like that's it yeah like, to get yeah. their
0: sitcom named after themselves yes. yeah. yeah yeah anything else about the first one about wanted
2: oh when he talks about the heart attack i was walking in the yard and some say, don't breathe no more <laughs> i said huh i said don't breathe no motherfucking more you heard me Okay, I won't breathe, I won't breathe. It's phenomenal. Shut the fuck up. You think about that yeah, yeah, Why would you think about that when you was eating that pork, motherfucker? I not
0: Just embodying the heart attack. Yeah. Him suffering from the heart attack. Yeah.
1: I like all the stuff he does about relationships. The sex stuff is very funny, but more interesting is how he's always talking about being sensitive and open and vulnerable with these women and... I think that is still unheard of.
0: <laughs> and his struggle with it. His, yeah, his, his admission it. of his difficulty in, yeah. in being that and doing that, but realizing you need that, that's the important part of it. The other thing that made me laugh, but also made me sad, was the amount of stuff that he talks about in police relations yes. that is exactly where we are right at this
2: moment. Right now. The white folks get a ticket, they pull over. Hey, officer, yes, glad to be of help. Period. Hey, oh. Nigga got to be talking about, I am reaching into my pocket for my license.
1: Because <laughs> I don't want to be no motherfucking accident. I agree. Like, I think it's, is it live where he talks about his, his wife's trying to leave him? And he shoots the car, which is very funny. And then he says, you're going to, what did he say about the hush puppies? You're going to.
2: You may be leaving, but you're going to be walking away from this motherfucker. <laughs> Look, I'm killing this him. So go get them hush puppies and hit your ass on down the road.
1: Yeah, it was very, very <laughs> funny. And then he says they don't, you know, they don't shoot cars, they shoot. And
2: then the police came. I went into the house. Because they got magnums too. And they don't kill cars. They kill niggas.
1: It's just chilling because it's exactly the same. Yeah, and the chokehold. He talks about the chokehold, ugh.
2: Police in LA, man, they got a chokehold they use on motherfuckers. Do they do it here? They choke you to death? That's some weird shit. Because I didn't know it was a death penalty to have a parking ticket. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? They'll choke a motherfuckers life. Hey, wait, that means you be dead. (laughs) Two grab your legs, one grab your head, they go, snap. Oh, shit, he broke. Can you break them? Does it say so in a manual? Let's check. Yep, page eight, you can break a See. Good work, man. Good work. Good work indeed. Let's get there.
0: I think he was the first black comic to give a peek into the dark side of those social issues. I think the comedians that preceded him, Dick Gregory was talking about the politics of it, but I think he was the first one to talk about the interpersonal relations and the sort of the almost the day-to-day part of it. Yeah,
1: that truthfulness.
0: In looking back on it, that's the way it strikes me. And
1: it's just, yeah, I guess like where we are in time right now just keeps pointing back to me personally of like people have been, black people have been telling you, not just me, like you, all of us for years what's been happening and people are like, oh, it's a fine. No, it's not. They've been, It's you know, we just haven't been listening.
0: Then with the second one, with Live on Sunset Strip.
1: Yeah, the second one is like he's just, again, Top of his game. I just like the content of the second one better. I love all the parts. I have seen parts of it before where he talks about going to Africa. And I think that's so moving.
2: I was sitting in the hotel lobby, right? And a voice said, What do you see? Look around. And I looked around and I saw people of all colors and shapes. And the voice said, Do you see any niggas? I said, No. I said, You know why? Because there aren't any.
1: Again, where we are today, we're just talking about how. Just being around people that look just like you, just being surrounded by all black people, and not having any, not having any of the uh, racism that he grew up in, uh, that we all grow up in. It's funny, but it's deeper. It's deeper. It's deeper than funny. It's actually just, it's just moving. It's um, and it makes you think, right? The idea of like, I don't know, I don't even know. I have to think about more. (laughs) I'm thinking, but it's it's it really sticks with you
0: in Sunset Strip. Through the lens of today when he's talking about shooting Stir Crazy in that penitentiary. Yes,
1: I thought that was great too. About seeing all you right all these black men, his brothers in there and how horrible it is.
2: And it was really strange because it's eighty percent black people in there. And you say, Well, why is that strange? Because there are no black people in Arizona. I've always heard the black man been fucked over, you know the revolution, whitey, motherfucking fuck over us, we got a good heart, we nice people, just get a bad break. Slavery just
1: not really ending, it just keeps turning into a new way of holding black people down. And so ending like in the in the pipeline to the prison system. So I thought that was very telling. And then he turns it a little bit with like, well, you know, some of, these,
2: some of them are just stone cold killers. And I was there six weeks, and I talked to some of the brothers there, Thank God we got penitentiaries. <laughs> I said to him, I said, why'd you kill everybody in the house? They was home.
1: I mean, again, that's his genius. It's like, it's political, it's emotional, and he's funny. He's doing all of it at one time. I mean, that's just, it's just another level.
0: Yeah, he's able to juggle so many things all at once in a way that is... A mastery above any of his peers.
1: Oh, yes. Far. And I think it's that great thing where it's entertainment but he's also teaching you something but you don't know you're being taught it.
0: I don't think he's being overly lectury or didactic about it because it is, it's coming from a, a conclusion that he has come to about how he feels about the thing. Yeah. So he's informing you, I think, on an emotional level as well as an informational or in- intellectual level.
1: A thousand times yes. I guess what I'm saying is, I think great entertainment is when it does that, and then you actually walk away thinking about things. He's able to do that. And that and how open he is about his
2: addiction. Listen, I was doing so much. I embarrassed cocaine dealers. They would say, Richard, man, goddamn. Oh man, come on, shit." Why don't you just snort this shit? I said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll just snort it. i just, well, how much you want? A kilo. Just for the weekend.
1: When he talks about the addiction, the whole thing with the pipe and the pipe talking to him is fantastic.
2: I fell in love with this pipe. <laughs> this pipe controlled my very being. This motherfucker say, don't answer the phone. We have smoking to do. All the pipe is talking about, now come on. Don't put me down anywhere where I might fall.
0: Cause it's two in the morning and it's hard to get one of me. Again, embodying this inanimate yes. object wow. brilliantly.
1: It's just so vulnerable. It's, it's, I mean, I think that's what we keep coming back to. It's so hard to be funny and vulnerable. Those are two things that usually you rarely see together. Like you said, people that are usually funny are comedians are doing it and there's a armor around them, right? There's a, this is a thing that you can't touch me. this is how I'm better than you kind of thing. And he's being hilarious, but also completely open and showing his, showing himself to you. Yeah, I love that. I think this is one where he talks about his kids lying to him. I, I was
2: running in here. Well, I wasn't really running. <laughs> you remember when you told me not to run? You remember? You probably don't remember. So I wasn't really running, real running, but I was running a little bit, just like that. My feet were going like that, like it was looked like it was running, but it wasn't really running. I love that
1: bit, Remy I mean, of Our Kids. They're like kind of winding stories he tells. Uh, yeah, how he's just open talking about being married to his wife, how it's hard to be in a relationship, and the whole thing about waking up with the same
2: person all the time. I mean, it's hard enough living by yourself, but living with somebody all the time. I know women got to feel this way too. Every day, the same motherfucker. <laughs> in and just get the fuck out of my face yeah i love you but god yeah i mean i just think he really
1: he hits it all right it's like the he hits relationships he hits how hard it is to be vulnerable in a relationship open uh stay committed in a relationship in
0: watching the two movies you didn't laugh out loud i think once
1: no i laughed a couple times out loud i did i did i didn't laugh as much because i think i was transfixed by him and what he was doing and it is funny it's not that it's not funny but it's also so many other things at the same time that I was kind of just taking it all in because it wasn't like this isn't funny or I'm bored it was none of those things it was sort of was like in awe of it so I think it was just to, try to take it all in whereas when you take out all the visual and it's just the the audio audio thank you it's easier with one sense to sort of just like kind of get in there and also I think you said he was done when he was much younger. These albums are from way before the specials.
0: Yeah, that album was 72, so it was a handful of years before live in concert, right. and it was 10 years before the other one. Right. It occurs to me now that in starting with those two movies, you're kind of starting at the masterful period. You're sort yes. of starting with the part where he's learned what notes not to play yeah. and how to really hang back. And so it kind of becomes so artful and effortless yes that it's it's transcended the thing but if you start and follow him chronologically you're kind of seeing the guy who is funny in a way that's to be expected but has a little bit of extra and then it keeps building and it keeps developing and then you reach that part you're you're in it and maybe laughing along with it because you've gone on that journey with him whereas if you just plunk down you can kind of just stare wide-eyed at it trying to take all of that
1: Yes, I think that's what it was. I think I was just wide-eyed like, oh my gosh, this is next level. And <laughs> I, it's like, yeah, it's watching A Master where you just don't even understand how he's pulling all the levers. It's so in his body. It's so like he doesn't, there's no cracks. There's no lines. It's just watching somebody fly. So it's f- phenomenal. Whereas the album, I didn't think it was, I loved all the tracks. I was laughing. I think we were talking about, he talks about, his dad being, you know, you have to come home at 11
2: p.m. Be home by 11. You understand 11, don't you, nigga? You can't tell Tam, can't you? As he's telling the story about his dad. What's that clock say in the kitchen, nigga? The clock, motherfucker! What's the clock say? Oh God, his dad sounds horrifying. 11 o'clock. Bring your ass here. I don't mean down the street singing with them niggas, either. I ain't getting your ass out of jail no more, motherfucker. That's right. Bring me back a paper.
1: And then he hits you with a really funny impression, like he goes right in with that facility, uh, doing his dad impression of his dad, and it's so funny and so specific that it takes you off guard, and you're laughing. And then he goes back to his life, and it's like oh, that's horrible. But then he hits you again. Um, it's like being in a boxing ring, like he's hitting you with all these jokes that are so funny that kind of you can't stay in the shock or the. The, the sort of the horror of what he grew up in. So it's, you're just kind of back and forth, back and forth, and... Which, you know, he's not doing it to shock you. He's doing it because this is his life. So it's like, that's what he... You have to do, right? Stand up, but you do that. The great ones do. And so I was also taken by that. of like, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but oh my gosh, he's so funny. And then like, oh, well, that is funny. and That is universal. And then this is totally specific. Like, he's just bouncing back and forth. He keeps you off balance.
0: And then the other thing that I was thinking about today as we were getting ready to do this was his colleagues at the time, the comedians oh, yes. who were popular at the same time he was. Maybe Robert Klein, who's sort of the proto-Jerry Seinfeld observational right. comedy. For me, certainly be Steve Martin and George Carlin. And George Carlin does a great job of characters from the other side of the spectrum, of the New York Irish and Italian and right. Brooklyn guys and, and the, that sort of a character. But he doesn't have the depth which is not a knock against George Carlin. Plenty of his stuff is funny, but it doesn't, you know, R- Richard Pryor goes this extra mile or two miles to really just reveal glimpses into his upbringing that are devastating when you, when you stop and consider it yeah. in, in combination with what he's doing. Um, and nobody else has really done that, I think, even since.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. He's able to do both. I mean, we just keep coming back to it. I, th- I think I mean, the more you say it, I think that's what makes him stand apart just from knowing comics is his vulnerability. That is not something you say about comics. <laughs> You're not like, oh, those comics, I know, they were so vulnerable. No. And he might not have, I mean, personally, I obviously, we didn't know him, it might not have been that way, but that's how his comedy came out. That's It's almost like when you have an art like that, you got to just follow the voice. whatever. Like However it comes out, it's like that's that's your instrument and you got to play it. And and he did I mean he just and it makes him like you said like obviously Carlin and Steve Martin they're all very different clearly but because they're not as personal they don't hang with you as much I think I think the Richard Pryor stuff kind of gets inside you like it just stays in a different place in you that's deep it's deep where it's not just funny and like those are funny bits and I can say those bits and I know the whole album it's a funny bit this is above bits. It's like it's funny, but it's also, oof, it's in your heart. It's like a soul, like a your
0: soul. It's almost uh, kind of in hearing you describe it, it, it seems like it could almost be the best kind of performance art. Mm. You know, so much performance art, I think, gets a little self-indulgent. Yes. Gets a little too art for art's sake. Yep. And this is transcending just standing up, ladies and gentlemen, ha, 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 joke, joke, yeah. joke. And it's, and it's also more than just that one-man show of <laughs> yes. revealing all of your pain and your yes. anguish and your suffering. So it's, it's, it's gotten to this unique place yeah. that's really, really remarkable. And I, I saw him in, in concert in 1983. Wow. Yeah, at the Circle Star Theater, which is no longer there, in Palo Alto, California, I think it was.
1: How old were you?
0: I was a senior in high school. Wow. Who'd and you go with? So. I, on our first date...
1: Oh, here we go.
0: On my first date with Debbie Waddell, oh, I took God. her to see Live at the Sunset Strip. And that okay. movie, if you remember, starts out talking about him having sex with a Playboy Bunny. Yes. This is our first date, and yes. we are juniors in high school. Yeah, and yeah. I am <laughs> entranced by Richard Pryor because yeah. I love him so much, and also so hyper-aware that he is being very sexual, and it's our yes. first date
1: yeah uh, oh and that's the bit he does about she likes when he does the kid voices yes. right and then he eventually <laughs> becomes like he's born again or something
2: she gave birth to me about 9 30 yes I'm
0: gonna yeah F this couch yeah this lady, so she
2: took me to this beautiful apartment it was like just like shit you never see in your life one of them kind of part more say if I don't get the pussy I can fuck this couch
0: so then by 1983 we were breaking up, or I think whatever it was yeah. a, the relationship was ending. Yeah, <laughs> but I got tickets to see Richard Pryor, so we went. Oh, okay. And it was great.
1: Never, I never knew that.
0: I thought I told you the story. Maybe it was because it involved Debbie Waddell. Oh Lord. There's a movie that came out after Sunset Strip. I think it's Here and Now, which is basically the set that we saw. saw. At the end of his show, I got so angry at the audience because people started shouting out bits for him to do.
1: Oh, right. And
0: he did them because right. he's wants to please and or whatever yeah. it was. He, you know, and people would say do this and do that and he'd go, "Oh, I haven't done that in a while." Like, yeah. what? And so they kind of I remember on the drive home thinking, "Oh, they just wanted him to be a human comedy jukebox." Yeah. And we just saw this amazing performance. That's yeah. its own self-contained thing. Why can't you be happy with that? Yeah,
1: they don't deserve him.
0: But I never got to see Miles Davis in person, but I did yeah. get to see Richard Pryor. So I feel yes. like six of one, half dozen of another.
1: That's awesome. That's amazing.
0: So does this make you curious about hearing other albums? Yeah, or it does. seeing some of his better movies?
1: Yes. I mean, I still haven't seen Stir Crazy. I don't know if that's one of the better movies. but
0: Yeah, it's funny.
1: And I want to see the movie you were talking about. Blue Collar. So I'll watch that. And I think the other thing is I think sometimes... It's, you know, when you think things have passed you by. I know this is like the whole idea of this whole podcast, but really in that moment, it's like, oh, yeah, Richard Pryor knew who he is, but like, am I going to go back? And you're like, oh, and it's like, yeah, you should go back. There's a reason things stand the test of time. It's like, go back. It's going to be so worth it. And it is. And now I feel like it's not like it's over now. It's like now it's just a new beginning of me exploring more of Richard Pryor.
0: The fact that Richard Pryor still holds up also speaks to... Him starting with himself. Yeah. And not just, here's what's funny in this time period. Yes. Here are the things we make fun of.
1: Yes. And it also just speaks, to, unfortunately, not to end this on a sad note, to how little progress we've made in this country of treating black people with respect or the systemic racism that comes with the. Co- I mean, right? I mean, that's the other big thing yeah. is that we haven't come, we haven't gone anywhere. That's, but hopefully that is changing. He's
0: telling you this is yeah. what happens. He has a bit on his album. He's on his way, he gets dressed up to go out. Yes.
2: Right, and he go out,
0: get clean, be driving with his old lady, going
2: out to a club, and police pull over. Get out of the car! That was a robbery! A nigga looks just like you! All right, put your hands up, take your pants down, spread your cheeks. Now, what nigga feel like having fun after that? Yeah, they take away <laughs> his manhood. Oh, let's just go home, baby. You go home, beat your kids and shit. You gonna take that shit out on somebody.
1: Anyone who is like me and it's like, oh, I know Richard Pryor, but you don't really know Richard Pryor, go get to know him.
0: Thanks for joining us on Last One to the Party. If you'd like to check in with Jessica Eason, you can find her on Instagram at jessica.eason.agency where she takes the notion of maybe recasting some pre-existing shows in this time of quarantine and lockdown. If you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Instagram at James underscore Eason underscore music. And if you'd like to follow the show, you can find us on Instagram at last one to the party podcast. You can find us on Twitter at last one to the PA number one, last one to the PA one, or you can search last one to the party. If you've got ideas for the show, feedback information think maybe you should be a guest send us an email to last one to the party podcast at gmail.com and if you enjoyed the show please leave a review and some positive comments in apple podcasts it helps get the show in front of other people's ears and it would be much appreciated the show is produced and edited by me james eason and the theme music was composed by me james eason